Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 2, the Apostle John declared, quote, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. One of the great evidences that someone is a true Christian is that they forever remain faithful to Jesus Christ as their only Savior. When someone walks away from Jesus and denies that he is the Savior of the world, it's a clear sign that they were never a true Christian, that they were never truly saved. Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 2 that we might learn what it means to truly remain in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday afternoon here in Texas. And uh, as always, it's a, it's a good day to be loving on Jesus, to be talking about Jesus, to be growing to know Jesus, growing to obey him, and growing to know his love for us. So thank you, Lord Jesus. I do need to apologize. I had, uh, in the first teaching of this series, I had said that that the plan was to do 10 teachings through the, the book of 1 John. And I had this incredible plan that I was going to do two teachings for each chapter, 10 teachings in the book. And it was planned that it was going to be perfect to roll into the holidays when I had discussed it with, uh, you know, with the IT guys, Stephen and, uh, and Nathan. And, and my whole plan was wrong. Um, I have gotten just uh, the material here is just uh, in, in my study of the material. It's just been just been incredible. And so uh, this book is certainly not going to be 10 teachings. Uh, this chapter alone is. Uh, you know, is probably going to be four, maybe five. Um, so anyway, I ask you to forgive me. Um, uh, the book is not going to be 10 teachings. It very well could be closer to 20. So, all right, today uh, we're picking up in verse 18. I would like to get through the end of the chapter, verse 29. I was talking to Stephen about it, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. And so hopefully you're continuing to pray for for Israel and just the, the just the, you know, the incredibly, just overwhelmingly sad, you know, just conflict and war in the Middle East and all that's happening there. And as, as I've said over and over, the answer to everything really is Jesus. Yes, we need governments around the world to, to stamp out terrorism to utterly destroy and annihilate terrorism. There is no doubt of that. Uh, but ultimately, at the bottom of all things, the answer to all to all evil, and obviously terrorism is evil, is Jesus. Uh, evil is sin, and the answer to all sin is Jesus. And so, uh, be in prayer that that Israel would come as a nation, which is to say, as a government. To, to, to acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior, as the Savior of the world, as the Savior of Israel, um, and by extension, you know, all the Israeli people, even as it says in Romans 11, that there will be a day that the people of Israel will acknowledge, that the nation of Israel, Israel will acknowledge Jesus Christ 
as the as the coming Messiah. And we want to be in prayer that uh, that they would come to receive Jesus and know Jesus and trust in Jesus alone. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your grace on our lives. We we thank you, Lord, for our Bible. We thank you for this incredible book of First John. The Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that, that we deserve to die and should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts uh, that understand. And Father, we do ask your continued mercy over this war, this conflict in the Middle East. Lord Jesus, we ask you to draw all of these people unto you. Father, we do pray that you would stamp out the evil that's in this world, that you would just destroy such evil that is in the hearts of terrorists. But Father, our greatest desire is that is that everyone would come to know Jesus, that Israel would come to know Jesus, that Lebanon would come to know Jesus, that Gaza would come to know Jesus, that Saudi Arabia would come to know Jesus, that Iraq would come to know Jesus, that Iran would come to know Jesus, Father. And Lord Jesus, inasmuch, I pray that you would come. Our greatest desire, Lord, is that you would come, that you would return. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, we commit this time into your hands now. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us even eternal life. 26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, so again, just, again, this is just, uh, this stuff is, 
every scripture in the Bible is imperative, right? Um, it's just that the things John is dealing with here uh, are, are so important, right? This verse 19 um, is part of the reason we're doing this book. We did the, we did the series on how, how do you know that you're really saved? It was a five teaching series to, to examine yourself, to examine your beliefs, to examine your actions, to know if you're a real Christian, as opposed to just someone who thinks they're a Christian. And this book was written by John. If you remember chapter five, verse 13, he said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, so verse 18, dear children, when he says children here, he's referring to, to really all believers. Okay. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Um, when he says here, the last hour, uh, you know, John believed, Paul believed uh, the apostles who were who were alive. Now, John, again, is 85, 90 years old here, but he actually believed Jesus could come at any time. We should all as Christians live with not only an expectancy, but a desire for Jesus to come. Do you desire Jesus to come? Do you want Jesus to come back? If you look at verse 28, um, he says, and now dear children, continue in him. And again, when he says children, he's referring here to all believers. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. The, the reason that the vast majority of Christians, when they're asked, do you desire Jesus to come back? The vast majority of people who, who, you know, who claim to be Christians really don't have an answer. They'll say, well, not yet, because they still have things they, they want to do in this life, or it's something they haven't really considered. And, and often it's because they know they're not living a life, not often, almost all the time, it's because they know they're not living a life that's acceptable. All right. Again, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him. Again, the other versions say abide in him. That means continue to, to live for Jesus, to love for Jesus, to give for Jesus, to forgive for Jesus. And now, dear children, continue in him. It means to, to continue to grow, to obey Jesus more and more, to continue to have deeper and more intimate fellowship and relationship with Jesus, to continue to walk with him in a more deep and intimate profound and powerful way. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, again, when he returns, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Think about that. If Jesus was to come back today, would you be confident? Would you be excited to see him? Would you know that you were serving him and loving him? and living your life in a way that's pleasing to him. I'm not saying perfection, certainly not. I'd have to take a vacation day to tell you the things I need to do better and the things that grieve me um, and the aspects of my life I need to, need to improve. But I do desire for Jesus to come back today and I do wanna see him. And although I know I certainly by no means am perfect, I do believe that, that when I saw him and he saw me, that that I would be that I'd be confident that I'm that I'm a Christian 
that I'd be confident that I'm his disciple, and I would be confident that I have been living my life for him. Now, there's certainly areas that I would know that, that I'm not living for him in a, at the height of what I should, and, and that, that drives us. That should drive us, right? That when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So again, do you desire Jesus to come? Dear children, this is the last hour. Again, we ought to be living our lives like Jesus could come anytime, that this is the last hour that Jesus Christ could appear at any time. And again, you should desire that. You should want to see Jesus and you should certainly want Jesus to, 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 to step foot on this earth and take over the rulership of the world. Because when Jesus is in charge, there won't be any more terrorism. There won't be any more evil. That time will have been passed. And can't you see just how, how wonderful that'll be? Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So he says the Antichrist is coming. The scriptures teach, right, in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the, the scriptures teach that, that a figure will, ride up, will, will rise up right? An individual, a man, um, and, and he'll be a charismatic world leader, a world leader inspired by the devil, right? Led by the devil, um, but he will be anti-Christ. He will be extremely charismatic. Um, he'll be articulate. He'll be gifted, but, but he'll be against Christ. He'll draw the whole world to himself. He'll lead the world in rebellion against Jesus, okay? That's, you know, that when he says that the Antichrist is coming, that figure will come at some point in history. He's certainly not here now, okay? But then John says, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. And what he means is there are many people who simply deny that Jesus is the Christ. Hence, they're Antichrist. OK, uh, they reject Jesus as the Messiah and they falsely teach that Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not the son of God. He's not God, the son. Right. That's an antichrist. Look at verse 19. This has been a uh, there seems to be some confusion on this scripture. And, and yet it's not a confusing scripture. It's very clear. And again, this is why scriptures like this is why we did the, the five teaching series on how do you know you're really saved? Verse 19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So what is John saying here? Well, first off, what he's not saying, this has nothing to do with church. This has nothing to do with people coming in and out of churches or going from one church to another or leaving a church. That has literally nothing to do with this text at all. Okay. When John says they went out from us, and again, he's coming off this context of being an antichrist. So these were people who were in the fellowship of believers. They had claimed to be Christians, but they were never truly saved. They were never real Christians. They had never received eternal life. They were never born again. They had never become children of God, but they were claiming to be Christians, but they didn't remain right? Not that they didn't remain in the church. They didn't remain in Christ. They didn't remain devoted to Jesus Christ. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Verse 19. 
For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So again, this is talking about someone who's claimed to be a believer at some point in their life. And we all, you know, we've all heard of people like this where they claim to be Christians. They may, they may have even claimed to be serious Christians. But when they got to a point where they, they, they outright denied Jesus as the Christ and then even began to try to lead others away from Jesus as the Christ, which makes them in this way an antichrist, this shows that they were never really saved. They were never really one of us. They were never a brother or sister in Christ. They were never saved. They were never born again. Okay. When you get truly born again, right? When Jesus Christ comes to live in you, never will you leave. Never will you walk away from Jesus. The issue is not that you can lose your salvation. And that'll be a whole separate series. Okay. The issue is whether you ever truly were saved. Okay. If you walk away from Christ at some point in your life and say, yeah, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Jesus is not the Savior. He's not the Messiah. Then it shows that you never really were a Christian. For if they had belonged to us, if they were really one with Christ and one and part of the body of Christ, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So again, one of the ways that you can you know, one of the verifiable necessities that you're a Christian is that that you remain steadfast in your belief and devotion to Jesus Christ as your only Lord, your only Savior, your only Master, your only King, the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to be delivered from the wrath of God in eternal hell, and the only way to go to heaven when you die, the only way to come in relationship, to come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus and God the Holy Spirit. Wow. All right, verse 20. And we're not going to get through all these verses naturally. So again, I'm sorry. Verse 20. Um, I had thought we were going to get through these. Uh, Stephen told me that we almost certainly would not, and regrettably, he was right. All right, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Okay, so what does this mean? But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, okay? This is not some special, charismatic, um, spirit-filled, um, you know, blessing for certain believers. That is not what John is speaking about here, okay? Um, we've done teachings on the baptisms, and you can, you know, you can go and, and listen to the teachings on, you know, what are the three baptisms, okay? Um and, you know, you can you can hear the teachings on on what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is here. When John says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, he's talking about every Christian. And in reality, it's almost certainly a reference to the Holy Spirit. OK, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. If you're genuinely a Christian today, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit not only lives in you, he's one with you. He's one with you in spirit. Okay, you're married to Jesus in spirit, hence we're called the bride of Christ. Okay, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And when he talks about the truth here, he's talking about the truth that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is God, the Son of God, God the Son. He's the Savior of the entire world. You know the truth, the Spirit of God in you. 
and the anointing that spirit of God brings, you know, has you convinced and you know for certain that Jesus is the Christ. Okay. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, the Holy Spirit is the one that's that's reassuring you, confirming for you, and, and absolutely holding you steadfast in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, and the only way to, to get away um, and escape an eternity in hell and the wrath of God the Father. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Verse 21, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. It's interesting. He's He said many, many times, I write to you, I write to you, I write to you. In various times, he uses this phrase, I write to you. And what he's saying is that, you know, he's wanting to emphasize something he's saying. He's He has, you know, many different reasons he's writing this letter and he uses this as an emphasis. But it's interesting. He says here, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth. He says, I'm not writing you this letter because you don't know that Jesus is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to escape hell. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, okay? I'm writing to you because you do know that Jesus is the Christ and because no lie comes from the truth, right? You remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, okay? In Jesus, Jesus has never, nor will he ever lie to you. In Jesus is the truth. Jesus actually claimed himself to be the truth incarnate, right? I just said it, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. Okay, do you know the truth? This is why John is writing the letter. He's writing the letter for believers who are trying to be led astray, where false teachers are, are trying to come in and saying God never became a man and that Jesus is not uh, the Savior. Right. Do you know? Are you convinced if you're a Christian today, if you're a genuine Christian, the Holy Spirit has convinced you with certainty that Jesus is the truth. He is the Christ. He is your savior. He is your only deliverer. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. No lie can come from Jesus. There is no lie in the fact that Jesus is the savior, that he is our God, God the Son, the Son of God, who came into this world, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, died a torturous death that we should have died, and is alive and risen today. That is absolute truth and no lie can come from that. Verse 22, who is the liar? Okay. It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the antichrist. He denies the father and the son. 23, no one who denies the son has the father. Whoever acknowledges the son has the father also. Okay, and we're going to end there at 23, but who is the liar? Okay, so he's just talked to you about the fact that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? 
It is the man, and certainly he means man or woman here, who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, so anyone today, 8.2 billion, 8 billion, 200 million people in the world, if anyone denies that Jesus is the Christ, is the Savior, you know, they're a liar. Now, again, they may be deceived. They may be self-deceived. They may be looking to deceive others. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. This is a paramount point. To deny Jesus as the Christ is to deny God. Okay? Now, this is, again, this is, uh, this may seem intolerant, but it is really the plain, unambiguous teaching of the scriptures. And it is really the highest regard of love. You cannot deny that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the Christ, and no God in any manner or in any way. So to be clear about what I'm saying, yes, any religion, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Islam, um, or, or any other religion that there is in the world that denies Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, has, has no way of knowing God, has no relationship with God, cannot in any way have understanding of who he is and cannot in any way have their sins forgiven or go to heaven when they die or when Jesus returns. And the only other place, regrettably, is an eternity in hell separated from the triune God. This is what the scripture teaches. This is why we beg and plead for you to give your life to Jesus, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. John 1, 12, right? Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the antichrist. He's antichrist because he or she denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now, th these people here are just, again, people around the world who are firmly denying Jesus is the Christ and leading people away from Christ. It's not the, the figure that the Bible says, uh, again, this charismatic, gifted man that will rise up to unite the nations at the end of times, right? Led by, led by Satan. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. So again, to deny, to deny Jesus as the Christ is to deny God altogether. That's why we have this Bible. That's why Jesus became a human man, right? That's why he died a torturous death so that we would have forgiveness of our sins in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Verse 23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And, and again, it, it couldn't be more plain, okay? It says it in our Bible. It's unambiguous. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So again, if you deny that Jesus Christ is the Savior, if you deny him as the Messiah, as the Christ, then you have no, no purpose, no understanding, no light, no ability to understand who God is in any manner or in any way.
No one who denies the son has the father. Whoever acknowledges the son has the father also. And this acknowledge, he says here, doesn't mean just a, a simple intellectual assent. Okay, yeah, I believe in Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. If you have a true knowledge, a true knowing, a deep knowing that Jesus is the Christ, and you have fellowship with Jesus, you have intimacy with Jesus, you're walking with Jesus, you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that he is the Lord of your life, right? So this again, when he says, whoever acknowledges the son has the father also, someone who's truly and genuinely saved, who's clinging to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to bring them to heaven when they die, you also now have relationship with God the Father, as well as God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, God, the son in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have relationship with each member of our triune God. Remember one being, right? One God, three distinct, separate individual persons, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the Holy spirit. No one who denies the son has the father. Whoever acknowledges the son has the father also. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for our Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. Father, we do ask you to, to help us, Father, to, to just live our lives in this last hour, to live our lives looking forward to the coming of our master and our king and our savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we do ask you to come. We pray that, that all would come to know you, Lord. We pray that no one would perish, Lord. We pray that, that, that all would be saved, Lord. We ask for your mercy, Lord, your favor, your forgiveness, your love on, on all the pain and the hurt and the trials that everyone is dealing with, and especially this, these, these horrible trials that are happening now with, with war in the Middle East. But Jesus, above all these things, we pray, come. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. In all that we do, we ask you to point us to Jesus more and more and more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.